Hello, this is Gradcast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students from Western University. We are here to bring Western's research to you guys. My name is Nav. And I'm Yimin Chen, your second host today. We have a lovely guest, a MA student from the Department of History. Her name is Elinka. Hola, are you? Oh, are you? Yes. Yeah. So Close enough. Okay, yeah. It's okay. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm very good, thank you. Glad to be here. Lovely to have you. Well, so, Elinka, mm, that's an unusual name. It's Kuri's. It's, uh, it's Romanian. Kuri, it's Romanian? Yes. Okay. And so, as an, now I just see a correlation over here. You're Romanian and you're studying Romanian history. I am. I'm yeah. actually studying uh, Romanian Canadian history, if that makes yeah. sense. Um, so, we have this little uh, ongoing joke between historians that um, we generally write about ourselves. So, uh, really? I am a Romanian immigrant. I immigrated to Canada in 1999. Um, so when I started to look at kind of what I'd be interested in researching for my thesis work, well, at the time it was supposed to be just a cognate. Now it's a thesis. Um, you just went back to your roots. Yeah. So I went back to my roots and, uh, my now supervisor, Professor Jonathan Vance, uh, had a nice little database of about almost 400 Romanian Canadians who had enlisted in the, uh, Canadian Expeditionary Force during the First World War. And he said, have fun. <laughs> Take a look at these and, and see what you can come up with. And I was like, okay, let's do it. So I started looking through. Um, like how fat were these books? Uh, oh, so it, oh, well, it, it's not a book. It was all just an, an online like uh, spreadsheet, okay, which is good, but also kind of hard to work with <laughs> sometimes. But no, so I started kind of looking at uh, Romanian Canadian soldiers in that way. Um, so basically the way that the database was compiled was um, just by looking at the attestation papers um, mm-hmm. of the CEF files and looking at any soldier that had claimed their like country of birth as Romania. So anybody okay. who was who claimed that on their attestation paper was put into this database. So now I have to go through and figure out like were they actually Romanians mm-hmm. or were there different ethnicities perhaps saying they were Romanians for political reasons. Um, so there's a lot of like different things I kind of have to come across in my research. Okay, I just just want to take a few steps back. You mentioned CEF. What is CEF? Yeah. So the CEF is the Canadian Expeditionary Force. So during the uh, First World War, right at the beginning of the First World War in 1914, uh, Canada had to send over troops to mm-hmm. fight in Europe. So that's how the Canadian Expeditionary Force came to be. Um, okay. It raised four battalions during... Uh, sorry, Four battalions, four divisions during uh, the duration of the First World War. And so there were there were Romanians in this in this army as well. Yeah, so Romanian Canadians, uh, most of them who were farmers, laborers mostly who had immigrated um, at the beginning of mm-hmm. the 20th century, are generally the people that I'm looking at in my. But what did the Romanians enlist or volunteer like before or after Romania's involvement in the war? Like why? Okay, so this is where uh, politics come into play. Uh, so where do I start? Let's start with geography. Um, so if you look <laughs> at, if you were to take a map of Eastern Europe um, in 1914, what is now today Romania, uh, all of Transylvania, which is uh, northwestern Romania, uh, was under Austro-Hungarian occupation. So a lot of Romanians, like ethnic Romanians, who had actually immigrated to Canada during that early 20th century were 
from these occupied territories, despite being Romanian. Um, so a lot of the times you, I have encountered in my attestation papers just people who didn't know to lie. Because if you were saying in your attestation paper that you were born in Austria-Hungary, you're most likely not allowed to pass that stage. Like, they would not allow you to uh, bear arms for the Canadian army because you were seen as an enemy alien. Right. Okay. And so to be clear, Austria-Hungary was the enemy yes, in Austri- World War I. Austria-Hungary, for at least from our perspective. Yes. Right. So for Canada, we were fighting against the Austro-Hungarians and the Germans. And the Germans. Always the Germans. Always the Germans. It's always the Germans. <laughs> That's a trend that continues into the Second World Spoiler War. Spoiler alert. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So they moved here even before the World War One started. Yeah. Like, so basically, um, if we want to go back into Canadian history a little bit. Um, and we do. <laughs> we do. We do. Uh, so basically, at the end of the 19th century, Canada had acquired uh, the territories of what is now like Alberta, Saskatchewan. Um, Manitoba, and they were trying to populate these territories. Um, so right. they, in, ni- in 1896, uh, Sir Clifford Sifton was the new uh, immigration officer, minister? Minister of Immigration. So minister Guy in of charge. The, minister of the Interior, right. I guess is what right. they called them. And so he had this brilliant idea that the people he wanted to see on the Canadian prairies, which if anybody's been to the Canadian prairies, not in the summertime, will tell right. you it's not pleasantly warm. Mm-hmm. Um, so he wanted weather-hardened peasants. And so to do that, he looked at a geographically similar area of the world, which for him was Eastern Europe. So Galicia and Bukovina were the main provinces from which these Eastern Europeans immigrated. So for this reason, a lot of the Romanians were just kind of bulked in with the Ukrainians. So they didn't really, they looked at them all as Galicians, kind of as an umbrella Mm -hmm. term for all of these Eastern Mm -hmm. European immigrants. So there was a lot of ignorance um, that came from white Anglo-Saxon Canadians at the time. Um, The whole idea of bringing immigrants into Canada was to assimilate them as much as possible, um, especially in the first 30 to 40 years of the 20th century. Um, Mm -hmm. That was kind of the deal. If you wanted to come here, you had to be as Canadian as possible, um, Mm -hmm. which meant you know, speaking good English, being a good Canadian citizen, kind of trying to remove your ethnic background right. from your new Canadian identity. So I'm kind of looking at, my, my research is really looking at these Romanian Canadians mm-hmm. and their identities and how their identities as new Canadians were shaped through their experiences of the First World War. So clearly, and clearly they were they were in for a culture shock when they moved here. Certainly. Were they... As in now, this thinking would say in terms of religion, were they immigrants? Were they Christians? Were they Jews? And even if they were Christians, like were they a different kind of Christians from us? Yeah. So majority of uh, the religions that you will find on attestation papers for Romanians are either uh, Christian other, which is usually Christian uh, Orthodox, so Mm, it's slightly different than Catholicism, um, but under the same umbrella of Christianity. and then you will have a lot of uh, Jewish immigrants, Jewish Romanian immigrants. So at the beginning of the 20th century, a lot of uh, so a lot of the men that I actually encountered in my research were Jewish Romanian immigrants that had come over right at the beginning of the 20th century because of the intense anti-Semitism that was kind of ri- on the rise at that time in uh, well throughout all of Europe, but especially mm-hmm. in Eastern Europe, it was very very pronounced. And Romania was certainly one of the more uh, anti-Semitic places you didn't really want to be if you were Jewish. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Romania has a very unfortunate 
Second World War history as well uh, with the Holocaust and, and that kind of stuff. But we won't get into that because that's just... Okay. But yeah, so this that's is just the, the prelude of that is um, s- some Romanian uh, Jews noticed what was happening and chose to relocate their lives Okay, so before. these people, they came here just looking for better lands, yeah, basically. better lands, better lives, pretty much the same reasons people still come to Canada today. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of the interesting thing. Like, my family immigrated to Canada very much for the same reasons, like economic reasons. Um, after the fall of communism in Romania, so I was born in 1995, um, so the first five years um, before I was born were really rough in Romania, mm-hmm. economically speaking. So uh, my pa- my family decided to immigrate to Canada uh, just at the turn of the 21st century. So that was fun, starting a whole new life in a new country. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so here I am today studying uh, people like me from 100 years ago. <laughs> interesting so sort of looking back at your roots basically and it's and it's also interesting because like the romanians who uh, ethnic romanians Mm -hmm. who who came over at the beginning of the 20th century like i said they're mostly from these northern provinces of bukovina uh, bukovina being a romanian province and galicia is the ukrainian province of course but um i'm actually from bukovina so i'm from southern bukovina which is um it's nice when i'm like i'm kind of reading through these attestation papers and you know you find a man who was born 20 kilometers outside of this of the city you were born and it's just really interesting to kind of make the connections with with men who lived 100 years before me it's cool right yeah that's really neat it's a historian thing i think but i mean sort of on this point of um you know your research with uh who were at the time sort of new canadians like you were saying a lot of these people immigrated to canada to escape the conditions Mm -hmm. um of europe at the time but then they sort of very quickly turned around and then re-enlisted in the army mm-hmm. to go back to Europe mm-hmm. to fight a war that they weren't sort of personally involved in. Yeah. I mean, what, what is the story there? Because that sounds super complicated. Yeah, so that's basically what I'm trying to get to the bottom of. Uh, All right. What was the reason that would entice, you know, a man that perhaps was only living in Canada for five, six, seven years mm-hmm. prior to enlistment, what would entice you to... Um, put yourself in that position where you're bearing arms for a completely foreign nation at that point. Um, so and I have some of them f- even lied. Some a of lot them of them lied. Yeah. So that's the interesting thing with like my soldiers is that mm-hmm. Romania was never seen as an enemy country, but mm. Austria-Hungary was. So it's all about geographic boundaries, political correctness. Right. Um, I have come across a lot of uh, attestation papers where. Um, like they just didn't realize and they would put like yeah i was born in this place austria hungary and then they say okay yeah you can't enlist and then you'll have another attestation paper that shows up in their file like two three months later because they go to a different (laughs) place to try to enlist Mm -hmm. and this time they say rightfully i was born in romania like just let me correct that and then usually they make it a little farther than that wait so you're saying they they signed with like an x because they were illiterate how do you know these are the same people um okay so it's 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 tricky to well, it's not tricky, I guess. Most okay. of the times when somebody's illiterate, um, it's easy to tell because it'll just have an X. Like right. where are the soldiers supposed to sign? There's an X and it'll say his mark. So mm-hmm. that's usually an indication for me that he's illiterate. If there's no X like that, it, it most likely means that the soldier was able to sign his own name. Okay. Whether it was done quite literally or right. literally or not. But <laughs> uh, I also, uh, I think I've actually come across a few soldiers who might have been from Austri- like actual Austro-Hungarian territories right. who were Austro-Hungarian and lied saying they were Romanian in order to kind of get around that political um, because I, I have a lot of them who say that they're from Bucharest, Romania 
which if you don't know any other place, like maybe you know the capital. So yeah, everybody right? can say they're from the capital. So that's I've come across a lot of them who say they're from Bucharest, and I don't know that that's quite the case. I don't know that quite so many would have actually been immigrating from the capital. But anyway, going back to Iman's question, like mm-hmm. why would these Romanians um go to the length of actually lying about their own origin just so they could enlist in a war? Yeah. So I mean, I think the first uh probably reason is is the economic. Um I mean, going to war was a job. It was okay. a job that okay. paid fairly well. Um and probably you could do better off um with the money you were getting. Mm-hmm. than with what you were doing because a lot of them didn't have such great luck with their first couple of years in the, on the farm or right. um so sometimes it was probably just purely economic but see I was really interested because Romania enters this, the first world war in August of 1916 so I wanted to see if perhaps there was a correlation between the Romanian Canadians who enlisted after that but it's actually quite nicely separated um so I've got like my 400ish Romanians separated between the first volunteer period um and then the period after so first volunteer period being like uh September 1914 to early 1916 and then 1916 uh after Romania joins the war there's kind of po- about a third of them there and then a- another third of them come through with conscription in 1917 so conscription meaning the government forces you to enlist mm-hmm. right So basically the the rates are pretty steady throughout the entire period. Yeah, so they're very fairly distributed, so that kind of puts a little bit of a wrench in my uh thesis, in, your hypothesis. in my in my hypothesis of yeah. perhaps they were um enticed by political reasons. So mm-hmm. I think for the most part, I think money was a big factor and right. going to war was a job. And did these immigrants did they have rights? Did they have like voting rights or did they have At one point they um they took they took the right the voting rights of enemy aliens away um okay. and gave the rights to the daughters and or sorry the mothers and sisters of soldiers who were fighting overseas um because mm. those women were more likely to vote for conscription so but generally if you weren't a neutralized citizen i don't think you had um voting rights mm-hmm. so i don't a lot of them wouldn't have had voting rights okay until you because so neutralizing just basically means that you're accepted as like a, a citizen. I mean that's really fascinating in that um people who live in a country but don't really have much ties in terms of like voting rights and, and things like that mm-hmm. would still choose to fight yeah. essentially for the country and you know likely die. Mm-hmm. This is after uh, all have, the first I world war, right? I actually do have a few of my Romanian Canadian soldiers uh thus far in my research who have died in combat. Um mm-hmm. there's two of them so far that are commemorated on the Vimy Memorial. Okay. So that's mm. kind of special. Um I was Oh, speaking of Vimy. Really speaking yeah. of Vimy Memorial, uh Western actually has some historical ties with the Vimy battle, with the battle on the Vimy Ridge. Uh a few Western alumni they are martyrs of the Vimy battle. Yeah, so there And was um there were a lot of actually university uh, battalions that they actually put together. Um so there would have been uh, probably entire battalions consisting of like university students mm-hmm. uh university yeah like me and you just off, well mostly probably you cuz i wouldn't have been allowed to enlist but okay. <laughs> <laughs> not in the first world war anyway well right? you would have been fixed yeah. you would have been building planes for us yeah yeah, yeah that's true i would have been helping in some way shape or form <laughs> on the home front yeah. so um what sort of materials do you sort of uh you use for your research here 
Um, so my big my biggest uh, research tool are the CF files, which mm-hmm. Library and Archives Canada has absolutely blessed my life with, and they have oh, digitized lovely. almost all of the CEF records. I think they're about uh, S or T right now in terms of last names. Okay. So mm-hmm. by uh, they're planning by the end of 2018, they want to have all of them digitized, kind of like for the centennial of the First World War. Right. And then other than that, um, I'm supposed to be reaching out to some archives in Alberta. There is actually a Pioneer Museum, a uh, Romanian Pioneer Museum in Alberta that kind of commemorates the um, the first ever Romanian pioneers who immigrated over from Eastern Europe from, from the provinces of Bukovina and Galicia. So I'm hoping that um, I'll get there. But yeah, and then there's also more archives that um, are located at uh, Library and Archives Canada uh, dealing with like the internment camps. Um, I've actually... Uh, so during uh, during the First World War, they would actually intern uh, enemy aliens. Uh, mostly, they were uh, the single single males that would that would be seen as en- enemy aliens that would mm-hmm. be put into these camps. And I've actually come across like one of my Romanian Canadian soldiers. He was uh, actually a Romanian Jewish uh, man from Montreal, and he was actually put in as like one of the guards in one of the internment camps. So it's just now I've I've come through this whole like one like 180 of so we've got either the Romanian as the guard or the possibly the Romanian as the internee so there's a completely different dynamic than I even expected to kind of find like I wasn't expecting to find Romanian Canadians Mm -hmm. as guards of internment camps where other Romanian Canadians are being discharged for being enemy aliens so Mm. it's just a really interesting dichotomy and it just kind of it kind of really shows the um the ignorance and the, just the lack of under, not understanding, um, really, just the people's ethnic ethnicity. Yeah, yeah, like not understanding people's backgrounds and just kind of grouping everybody as Galicians. Yeah, yeah that's got to be a really, really tough sort of situation to find yourself in, being sort of a, a prison guard for your own countrymen. Yeah, so that's uh, that's something more interesting that I have to get. Uh, those, those archives are unfortunately not digitized, right. so I will have to go physically to Ottawa and uh, get my hands on them. So in Love. addition to, like, in, in these archives and records and stuff, are, are you looking at beyond simply, um, l- like you're saying, sort of records for people uh, enlisting and so on? Are there other maybe more sort of sort of like narrative or testimonial diary type uh, resources you're yeah, looking at? Yeah, so a lot of the times when you're studying First World War soldiers, a, a gold mine of a resource mm-hmm. is memoirs and diaries right. and letters that the soldiers wrote home which I have not really been able to come across because a lot of the times, um, like I said, a lot of these men were illiterate, couldn't write. Uh, and second of all, if they couldn't, if they could write and they could only really write in Romanian, their, I don't, like their letters wouldn't have been accepted because the g- Canadian right, government wouldn't have been able to, them. they wouldn't right. have been able to censor what right. they were saying. Right, okay. So um, I don't know, I'm hoping that maybe for some reason mm-hmm. the Boyan Museum, the Pioneer Museum in Alberta has some sort of some sort of letters and memoirs uh i'm really hoping they do but i don't know that's kind of my only other way of looking at it have you encountered any material from um say soldiers who had made their way back from the war like sort of after they come home from it um well so actually one of the other uh tools that i should probably mention that i am able to use if it ever works is ancestry ancestry is actually a tool that can work if it's being uh transcribed properly so if the person on the other end is actually transcribing the things properly i can actually find those records Mm -hmm. so i've actually found one um 
one Romanian Canadian, he was also Jewish. Um, he had enlisted in, he was actually a medical student um, at the University of Alberta. And he had enlisted as like a medical like officer to help um, on the front line. So it's really interesting. He was actually working in the, like on the field, you know, patching up wounded soldiers and all this stuff and actually getting his like university credits for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so he graduated from his medical program uh, with class of 1919-1920. So he actually did two and a half years of his like medical school like on the front lines, which is pretty crazy. Wow, that's very one, hands-on. Yeah, one pretty heck hands-on. of a residency. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so he had immigrants from like not just Romania, but even Ukrainian people and Russians immigrating over here and did these Ukrainians and Russians, did they enlist in the war as well? Did they enlist in the army yeah, as well? Yeah, so uh, Ukrainians, yeah, certainly a lot of Ukrainians did. Um, it's just about being from the right Ukrainian territories. Because okay. so if at the time, uh, basically the eastern part of Ukraine was under Russian occupation mm-hmm. um, and the uh, western half was under Austro-Hungarian occupation. Um, so if you were from the wrong province, that could be a problem, and then okay. you would be seen as an enemy alien. And do we know a lot about these people, about these about immigrant, uh, about the Ukrainians and Russians who enlisted in the war? Um, yeah, there's actually a lot more research done on. Uh, there's actually an entire book written about uh, f- uh, Ukrainian soldiers in the First World War by Frances Swaripa. Um, she's a, a, a ethnic historian. She's specifically looks at Ukrainian Canadians um, and and because Ukrainian Canadians are such a large majority like they were always such a they were the largest minority if that makes sense of mm, Eastern okay. European immigrants yep. so um, especially in the 19 like 60s and 70s when Canada was changing their policy from um, biculturalism to multiculturalism mm-hmm. it was the Ukrainians right. that actually stood up for this 25% of the Canadian population that mm-hmm. wasn't really being included into this bi, uh, bi-national identity, right? Because it was only right. the French Canadians and the English Canadians that were being counted at that point. The Ukrainians were like, hey, what about, we, uh, what about a quarter of the population <laughs> that you're not? Everybody else. Yeah, so the Ukrainian, um, Ukrainian-Canadian historiography is a lot more developed mm-hmm. than Romanian-Canadian historiography. Um, so and this was yeah. a military that was put together and the army itself was ethnically diverse. Yeah, so very much, very ethnically diverse. Um, actually, there were uh, soldiers. Uh, there were Sikh soldiers in the Canadian army. Um, there were Chinese soldiers in the Canadian army. Uh, French soldiers, of course. Um, I'm, I'm looking through Irish Canadians, Ukrainians, like I said, and. Um, of course, a lot. There was actually the the Jewish Canadians at one point had their own battalion. Um, there was a, a an entire battalion just of Jewish Canadians raised out of Quebec. So um, it's certainly a very religiously, ethnically diverse mm-hmm. military strength. Um, despite many attempts from the Canadian government to assimilate and to uh, kind of make everybody the same, right. wasn't really the case. So I want to look at. Also, I'm looking after the after the war, the ones who came home. Um, what was their experience like? Did the First World War change how they saw themselves as Canadians? Mm-hmm. Did this bearing arms for the country uh, change the way that they saw themselves as right. like, you know, patri- were they more mm-hmm. patriotic towards Canada because they had fought for Canada? So these are the questions I'm looking at. Um, and it was certainly an ethnically charged war in itself. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's it's really about national identity when it right. comes down to it. It's looking at how um, how these 
immigrants formed a national identity in a new country and how the First World War uh, helped shape that. So sort of stepping aside from national identity for a second mm-hmm. um, and sort of your interest in uh, Canadian-Romanian history, mm-hmm. what is it that got you interested in sort of military history? Oh, that's a lot. So that's a, uh, I've always kind of had like a, a f- personal family background of military. Like there's a lot of okay. military men in my family. Um, but I just, I, I don't know, I somewhere along the line, I just really started liking the First and Second World War, probably in high school, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I took a trip in grade 11, um, and I got to go to the 95th anniversary of the Battle of Vimy Ridge. Okay. So that was awesome, and I think that was kind of a very big uh, turning point in, in deciding what I wanted to do with my future and what I wanted to study. You know, at that point, grade 11, you're like, oh, crap, what am I going to do in university? What right. am I going to study? Mm-hmm. So um, I had decided that it was history. And, um, yeah, I guess, like, the Romanian-Canadian thing just kind of seeped in, like, during my undergrad. I'm very, like, all my friends know me as, like, the intensely Romanian person. Like, I'm very (laughs) Romanian. It's a a big ongoing joke in my my friend group. So, yeah. And I think London itself has sort of a connection to Canadian military history. Is that right? Uh, Yes, actually. So, um, I actually... uh, have been volunteering and working at the Royal Canadian Regiment Museum here mm-hmm. in London, which is located uh, just on, on Oxford Street, uh, past Adelaide. Um, so that is a military barracks that uh, was actually built between 1886 and 1888. And it was actively used in the First World War and the Second World War as like a, a recruiting um, and training facility for soldiers. So there's a lot of local history in, invested into the First World and War and the Second World War. So if you want to learn more about that, you can come check out the Royal Canadian Regiment Museum. Um, come on in. We'll give you a tour. Um, it's free admission. So if you're looking for something to do this summer, come learn some history. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. And is there a chance that we might see you there at the, the museum at some point? Yes, actually, I will be working there this summer. Um, so I'll be there from July until August working. When I get back from, uh, I'm actually going on a six weeks trip to Europe. Oh, wow, that's exciting. <laughs> uh, yeah, in, uh, I'm leaving in 10 days. I'm going for two weeks on a battlefield uh, tour um, in France and Belgium. So that's with the uh, the Canadian Battlefield Foundation, which is an organization. They've, I think they've been doing it for like about 20 years. Um, they take a group of gra- usually graduate students or like upper year undergraduates mm-hmm. with two or three uh, professors. And they take you on like uh, all of the battlefield, all of the major battle Canadian battlefields of the First and Second World War. So I'm going to get to be at the 74th anniversary of uh, the Juno landings. So I'm really excited about that. Um, but yeah, so I'll spend two weeks doing that and then traveling for a little while longer. And then actually at the end of June, I'll be presenting this thesis research in Romania um, at a, a conference, an international conference for that matter, which is a little bit intimidating because I've never presented at a conference before. So we'll see how this goes. Uh, but yeah, I'm really excited. It's giving me an excuse to go to the motherland. So I'm pumped. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that sounds absolutely thrilling. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Elinka. Uh, and, and we're super happy that we were able to get you on air before you leave on your trip. Yes. I was, I'm super glad I got to come and talk to you guys about all my research and, uh, yeah, hopefully you guys can stay posted. I will be active on Instagram and Twitter through du- the duration of my trip. So if you want to follow me on there, you can follow along my journey. Awesome. That'd be great. We'll have that information on our podcast website once we have that published. 
Thank you again, and uh, thank you all out there in listener land. You've been with GradCast with Nav and Yemen. We are a production of the Society of Graduate Students here at the University of Western Ontario, the only and the best podcast show put on by SOGS. You can catch us every Tuesday at 6 p.m. and at our website, gradcast.ca. If you'd like to join the committee or if you'd like to come on and talk about your own exciting research here at the University of Western Ontario, drop us a line at gradcastradio at gmail.com. We are always happy to have anyone and everyone as we bring Western to the world. Thank you and good night. The Gradcast theme tune has been composed for us by Matthew Becker.